Episode 16, Causes and Consequences Go Beyond Borders. Now, America has championed freedom, democracy, and human rights for generations, while simultaneously dealing with the equally important need to protect its sovereignty and to keep its citizens safe. But as America continues to debate the migrant crisis on its southern border, makes me wonder, what do borders even look like anymore in this modern age? What are the other front lines of sovereignty that communities and countries need to protect or open up judiciously? Keep listening. Welcome to Peace Matters, a show that uncovers peace in our communities, our countries, and deep within our souls. I'm your host, Maya Mathias, founder of Inventive Links, a leadership development company that cultivates enlightened executives, creative citizens, and wise writers for a more peaceful planet. Join me as I share three things in the show. One, stories or trends that impact our capacity for peace in the world. Two, insights and tools to help you cultivate more inner peace. And three, updates on the peace-building work I do plus answers to your questions about creating a more peaceful existence for yourself and others. Be sure to head over to inventivelinks.com to sign up for our Peace Matters newsletter, where I share bonus resources to build more peace in your world. And now, on with the show. Part 1. As the World Turns Stories or Trends that Impact Our Capacity for Peace in the World. This week, there have been a few more news stories about the policies and personnel movements that have to do with the migrant crisis at the southern border of the United States. Some of these include reports of state officials possibly being asked to contravene existing laws in order to keep the influx of migrants out of the country in exchange for a pardon down the road, to a story about the possible reinstating of the family separation policy, to yet another story about potentially releasing the migrants who do get let in into sanctuary cities across the country. So, This is all a lot to handle, and we are falling into the he says, she says rhetoric on both sides of the political aisle as far as the veracity of these stories is concerned. So while all that gets sorted out and plays plays out to its natural conclusion, both in the headlines and in terms of actual policy, it got me wondering... Sure, there are physical borders that most of us in communities and countries, and even within our own households, need to protect. But there are also other borders that we need to contend with these days, and some of them are invisible and a little harder to enforce. And this came to mind because the other big story this week was the arrest of Julian Assange, the founder of WikiLeaks, this week. He's been hiding out in an Ecuadorian embassy for a number of years now, and he's been 
a, a wanted man, not just by America, but I believe another country where he has had sexual assault charges levied against him. And from the little that I read about the Julian Assange arrest, there are a lot of factors that play into why he is now leaving the embassy. Um, Apparently, Ecuador themselves wanted to revoke his asylum because of his bad behavior that he was that he was exhibiting on embassy grounds. So I think they they got fed up with him too. But more to the point of this story about borders, he was arrested because he's being incriminated in conducting hacking um, against the U.S. government. And so the U.S. government now wants to extradite him and bring him back to America's shores to face the music of having threatened national security in the way that he did. So this brings up the question about the invisible border of cyber borders. And if you think about the cyber world that we all live in now, cyber borders are increasingly difficult to establish. Like, is there even a border that we can point to online? And they're also difficult to enforce. And as we await the release of the Mueller report in the coming days, the much-anticipated Mueller report, I mean, the, the core focus of that investigation that Robert Mueller and his team have been, have been conducting has been around whether America's cyber borders were inf- infiltrated by Russian meddling during the 2016 election whether it was online in our social media feeds or whether it was the Democratic National Committee um, servers and platforms being hacked into by the Russians in order to steal information in conjunction um, with WikiLeaks. So with all of that floating about in the ether, as citizens, we need to understand that What does this mean for us? Well, it means that whenever we turn on an electronic device, our cell phone, our computer, our tablet, or any such similar device, what it means in many instances is that we are opening ourselves up to a borderless world. Sure, there are firewalls, there are all the protections that we can put in place and that can keep certain experiences and transactions that we do online relatively secure. But we also need to understand that those external measures aren't the only line of defense that we need to practice online. The security we set up in a cyber world can't always only be external to us or be something that a third party puts up on our behalf. Sometimes it needs to come from within us. And what I mean by that is by informing ourselves by arming ourselves with the proper information as to what the cyber world really means and represents, the threats that are out there, what it means to, what it looks like to be hacked, and so that we don't fall prey to these bad actors and to these bad acts wherever possible when we conduct work or play online.
Part 2, OM is where the heart is, insights and tools to help you cultivate more inner peace. So to build on this idea of an online world with fewer borders than we might notice or be aware of, let's dive a little more into arming ourselves with the proper information when we are online. So on this note, I want to highlight one story that I came across this week about a hearing that took place. Um, Let's see, let me pull up the information so I don't misquote it. Yes, it was a hearing that took place earlier in the week by the U.S. House Judiciary Committee. And it was a hearing related to hate crimes. And more specifically, one element of the hearing covered the parties that are involved in or victims of hate crimes or hate speech that happens online. Now, I wanted to share this story because one of the conclusions from that hearing is that it was a non-conclusion, basically, because the parties concerned, the parties who showed up, could not agree on the basic facts that they were arguing. And because of that, they weren't able to properly identify and frame the issue or issues at the heart of hate crimes. And if you aren't able to frame and identify the issue, then you aren't really going to be able to solve it adequately. And just as a side note, I want to quote something um, from an article about the hearing. And if you want a link to the full article, this was an article on PBS NewsHour. Be sure to sign up for my newsletter because this weekend's edition that will be published on March 14th, 2019, I'll link to the full article. But I want to quote this part to you because it says, and for context, one of the parties that showed up to the hate crimes hearing were many of the big tech giants, Google, YouTube, Facebook, and so on, because they play a role now in being one line of defense against hate speech or hate crimes being perpetrated. And so this quote goes, as the tech giants defended their attempts to combat the problem, white nationalist groups were using a Google-owned platform, YouTube, to raise money via a live stream video of the hearing. And that just stood out to me because this just shows you how pervasive and how entrenched the ability of hate groups is to be able to spread their brand of violence online. And I'm going to be writing and thinking a lot more about this, and I'll be putting it in the newsletter to be sure. But for now, for this episode, I want to just highlight the fact that as with so many disagreements and conflicts that we experience as a human race in the world, right now, where the hate crimes are concerned, both sides and by both sides, I'm talking about both political sides of the argument, are hurting too much now to be able to set aside their differences. Because on the left, people on the left feel their civil rights are being um, assaulted because they're not, because of the rising white nationalist movements conducting not just hateful. Um, speeches online and in real life, but they're turn, these are 
turning extremely violent, as can be evidenced from the Tree of Life synagogue shooting and most recently the Christchurch New Zealand shooting and, of course, the Charlottesville, Virginia um, tragedy that happened about a year ago. So that's where people on the left are feeling extremely hurt and unable to clearly articulate or be, be a useful party in helping to frame the issue and solve the problem. Conversely, people on the conservative side of the spectrum feel that they are being muzzled just for holding their conservative views because for the most part, a lot of the mainstream media outlets in the US do tend to have more of a liberal slant in in their editorial approach. And that's why Many of pe- many people who show up as conservatives or present a conservative viewpoint, unless they are on a purely conservative media outlet, once they stray outside of those outlets, they feel that they are being assaulted. And whether you believe one side over the other is sort of outside of what I'm trying to share with you here. What I'm saying now is that both sides feel that they have been wronged and that they aren't being heard, and they don't really have an avenue to air their grievances right now. There doesn't seem to be a space for them to be able to do that. And so I want to end this segment by suggesting that perhaps this process of identifying and framing the hate crime issue could be better served first in a less adversarial environment than what was presented to the parties concerned at this Judiciary Committee hearing. I don't think the legal um, setting is the best first place for this to be addressed right now because there's just too much, that emotions are too raw and the anger is just too high on all the various sides of the argument right now. Part 3, News and Views, updates on our peace-building work, plus answers to your questions about creating a more peaceful existence for yourself and others. Not a whole lot of news I want to share with you this week, or in this episode at least, except to encourage you to tell your friends about this Peace Matters podcast and the Peace Matters newsletter that I create for you each and every week. And if you are not on the list yet, it's also a great time for you and your friends to sign up because I have recently catalogued past newsletter issues by theme and by topic of interest. And if you sign up now to join my list, I'll be able to walk you through those past issues based on the aspirations that you hold for world peace or inner peace. As always, to subscribe, just go to inventivelinks.com. There's a button right there on the homepage for you to learn more about what you'll get in each issue of the Peace Matters newsletter, and you can subscribe right there. Okay, thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Peace Matters podcast. I will talk to you again soon. Take care. 
You've been listening to Peace Matters with me, Maya Mathias. This podcast is proudly powered by Inventive Links, a leadership development company that cultivates enlightened executives, creative citizens, and wise writers for a more peaceful planet. If you like this podcast, please consider supporting it by going to inventivelinks.com support. Want to take your podcast experience to the next level? Sign up for my next online workshop, and start building a stronger path to peace inside and out. Go to inventivelinks.com events for more information. Sign up for a workshop, then show up with your best questions on the stories and insights we feature and with a sincere desire to lead a more peaceful existence. Till next time, let's make peace matter more each day. Bye for now.